Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. Hosted by yours truly, Millie Brooks, also known as an infertility sleuth. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here today. This is episode 49, and today we are going to chit-chat with the dynamic infertility warrior, Kaylee Chalet. Kaylee and I connected over Instagram a couple of months ago, and this girl is so hilarious, you guys. She cusses like a sailor and is more talented in the crafting department than Martha Stewart, okay? Kaylee makes these titty shirts for babies and adults. I really want to get my husband one of her I Am The Tits shirts just to see if he wears it in public. He probably will because he's a feminist. Um, So that's what's in store for today. But before we dive into our convo with Kaylee, if you aren't following the podcast on Instagram, jump on it. The handle is at me, myself, Millie. And I'm on there on a weekly basis giving regular updates about the episodes. So find us there and keep in touch with the pod. Kaylee, welcome to the show. It's such a treat to have you on the air. Thanks. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just watching you not make eye contact. (laughs) I know. I I gave Kaylee my, um, you know, I have a small like brief reminders before we start recording. And I always tell my guests that they don't have to maintain eye contact with me because it gets really exhausting. And then sometimes it throws people for a loop. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, I'm used to doing calls without without eye contact, so I'm just going to have good. to stop staring you in your optic stems. Oh, good. Good. I mean, if you want to if you want to glance over the, every every now and then, that's cool too. <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, let's start off with you telling folks a little bit about who you are, where you live, and what you do. Yeah, great. Cool. So, um I'm Kaylee Chalette. I live in Colorado. I have nine chickens, three dogs, a cat, and a lot of fish. I don't. You have chickens. Oh, bro! Yeah, I got a lot of chickens. I mean, Blair Blair Nelson has chickens too. I know. We've bonded over it. She was debating on getting chickens, and I was like, "Girl, come over to the dark chicken lady side. (laughs) Everything about it is awesome. The shirts you get." I love it. Yeah, they're they're really fun to have. But um, we live out in like kind of a country area. So you're allowed to have four, but I have nine because they kept, or maybe eight now because they just keep dying. Oh. Um, it's oh. okay. It's a chicken's life. Has anybody reported you about having one too many chickens? No, I live in like the chillest part where like technically four of them are my neighbors, but he's 80 and I help him like maintain his yard. And he's the guy that I always get in fights with, but they're like ironic, funny fights. Um, So I give him a bunch of eggs and then a lot of my other neighbors, I'll drop them off for the day to eat like grasshoppers and stuff in their yard and pests. It's really funny. That's adorable. They're like the community chicks. Totally. I walk them over. Like they just follow me in a line all the way over to my neighbor's house. Oh my God. You're like the mother hen. I totally am. It's so (laughs) awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, and so you live in the mountains, right? I live in the Front Range, so I live near Whoa, like Front Range. Front Range. When was the bro? last time I heard that term? <laughs> Old Yeller or something? What What does Front Range mean? So the Front Range is of Colorado, so it's um, like Colorado Springs all the way up to Fort Collins. Um, so it's just the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and yeah, so we call it the front range. And so I live, there are not, I live about 15 miles from the Rockies, but I'm in the plains. So. Wow. Yeah. What's the weather like up there? Fucking hot. Yeah. Today's a hundred degree day. Oh God. Um, Yeah. We want to live in the mountains. We used to live in Aspen and that was great, but I'm a Southern California girl. So going from Southern California straight to Aspen, I mean, I was cocktail serving, so I was more partying than anything, but, uh, the (laughs) snow, I just like could not handle like that much snow and that much ice all the time. Now I could, but in the front range, you have so much more accessibility to like grocery stores and breweries and schools we pretty much stayed here for kid purposes which (laughs) we still don't have (laughs) (laughs) oh god hey it's on the list it's on the list yeah it just keeps getting rotated further down (laughs) we just can't accomplish it so I'm like fuck it I'm gonna put that at the bottom for right now (laughs) oh my gosh I'm kidding Um, well do you and what do you like it's covid you yeah. know, what do you, what are your, what are, how are you occupying your days right now? Uh, well, I'm also on sabbatical, which is interesting. So I'm a sustainability consultant by day and I went on sabbatical. What does that mean? I don't even know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I work with like utilities and different Fortune 500s to improve, um, their like carbon footprints and stuff like that. So I calculate their carbon footprints and I look into renewable investments, how to reduce waste, how to reduce employee commute or stuff like that. Um, Also doing like climate risk assessments. So evaluating, okay, you live or your operations are at a low lying coastal area and with things changing the way they are, it'd be best if you moved your operations to XYZ because there's a high probability that you'll be shut down for an extended period of time due to a hurricane or typhoon or something like that. So it's all that, seems, all that weird stuff. I got to say, like, I hate consultants because I've worked with consultants. Yeah, everyone before. hates consultants. <laughs> and they, you pay them so much money and they come into your organization and they just tell you what to do, but they don't totally. take like anything off your plate. And when I worked at a nonprofit, like I wanted to like murder this consultant. Oh, no. um, but that kind of consultant I can get behind. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I chose an industry where I could tell people how wrong they were all the time. (laughs) So (laughs) I was just like, no, I mean, great A for effort, but here's how you can improve your process. Uh, And I do really enjoy it. But to be honest, infertility sucked my soul, completely drive any joy that once COVID happened, pay cuts happened, IVF was happening. I was just like, I'm going to break this is going to break me. And also as a consultant, just a note for anyone that has consultants, they work insane hours. 
Wow. So like you don't get paid for overtime. That's not a thing. And you work all the time and you are at your client's beck and call with the please fixes. So it's tough to stay in for a while. And I just needed a break. Wow. Yeah. But Good for you. Good a lot for of you. people do hate consultants. <laughs> I can't say I've had a client that hates me yet, but I mean, it's only been, in, I've only been in the industry six years. So yeah. give it time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I think that that seems like a very powerful and something I can get behind, you know, with like sustainability, eco-friendly, you know, making businesses, um, more aware of their carbon footprint sounds like a positive impact on the world too, you yeah, know? That's kind of why I did it. I originally, not kind of, so I wanted to work in nonprofits and then I did. And that was, yeah. and that, <laughs> that was the that end of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was very like anti the man and had a lot of protests against power plants and stuff like that. One of which I like, facilitated a uh, public discussion around a generating a coal like fire power plant generating station and five years down the line end up working for the actual utility that owned the generating station but in the process of me working with them they shut it down so I kind of realized like my biggest impact would be on the private sector and getting companies that are quite large you know, your biggest retailers to think about their supply chain and stuff like that was really rewarding. But also as a consultant, you don't get to own it, right? Like your client owns the success of that. So that has been something that I've been craving for a while is owning the success of something. Yeah. Yeah. That's fulfilling. That's fulfillment for sure. Yeah. Um, well, give us a glimpse into your infertility journey and start with when you and your husband started trying to conceive. Okay, so we started trying to conceive October of 2017. So that's when our preconception appointment was. Of course, being anal, I was like, I need a preconception appointment. And I, I might get to. Yeah. So I like planned it out. I took prenatals for three months before because I knew you needed to be on prenatals for three months or it's recommended before you start trying to get pregnant all that. And we went in and they were like, you're healthy. Everything's fine. Um, and I did the blood work. Everything came back pretty normal. And of course they don't really talk you through it. They just say it's normal, but then you look at your ranges and you're like, Oh, I'm kind of at the high end of the normal range for this. I'm at the low end for this. And at, before that for two years, I was doing my basal body temperature, um, CM OPKs to not get pregnant, but to be off birth control after we got married. We got married in 2015. So I guess that's two years. Um, so you were using like natural rhythm methods of birth control. Got it. Yeah. I was like, I want to be off birth control. I want to be like the healthiest I can be. So I for a baby, cause that was like the whole reason we got married. I was like, we don't need to get married for like, I mean, we'd live together forever. You know, I'm like, I want to have a baby. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was like, I want to get married. And I was like, I want to have a baby. Let's meet in the middle. Let's get married and then have a baby mm-hmm. uh, or a compromise in both senses. So a year goes by after t- October, 2017 and nothing's happening. Meanwhile, all my friends are falling pregnant, you know, oh, and yeah. 
they, I'm teaching them about their cycles. I'm teaching them about what prenatals to take, how to like boost their CM with supplements, you know, all that different stuff. And I start to really panic. So I get a day three panel done and she's like, you're normal. Let's do, you know, a sperm analysis. So Lee gets a sperm analysis. It is missing for two weeks after like they can't wait what like they lost the results yeah and I'm I keep calling them and I'm like okay it's literally sperm (laughs) like how long does this fucking take where did it go I don't I mean to la la land who the fuck knows but then they call me with the most vague results ever saying it's normal and at that point I had two weeks to research everything about sperm right because it was lost. So I was like, what's the motility? What's the morphology? Like, what's his count? All this stuff. And they're like, normal, normal, normal. I was like, bitch, I'm a data analyst. Give me the fucking yeah, numbers. Yeah, give me the numbers. Yeah. Like, this isn't making any sense. She's like, well, I can't give you numbers right now. And I was like, why? It's my data. Like, I Is- own that, that, those results, not you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was super annoying. Was this just through your like regular primary care physician or were you at a fertility clinic at this point? I was at an OBGYN. Okay. So, and she was nearby and she looked young. So I wanted someone. And also I was, how old was I when I was trying to conceive? 27. And I started getting shit for being 27, trying to have a baby. Like they were like, oh, you're too God. young, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, yeah. I got my master's degree in a job. I'm pretty fucking set. Like, <laughs> I, can, I can do this. Don't you um, tell me what my yeah. world is. Yeah. yeah, right. So then I go and see a year to October 2017. So October 2018, we go to see an RE. And he was the worst fucking doctor I've ever met in my entire life. Is this at the seat, the Colorado famous place? No, this is some, this is the office below that place. Okay. Um, so he was an RE, but he was, you know, like light touch, I guess. I don't really what know. What does that mean? He's fucking old. <laughs> He's just fucking old. And he, so we sit down and I have a list of questions. I'm like, we started trying at this time. I went off birth control at this time. You know, my periods are pretty normal. I'm usually in the 30-day range. Um, I, I bring in all my data, right? Like, here are what my charts look like. Here's what my temperature looks like. Here's what all of these things are, you know, mapping towards. And I'm not understanding where I'm going wrong because I've studied this so much at this point that, like, I must be missing something. Right. And so when I show him that, he goes, oh, well, I can tell just by looking at you, what's your problem? And I go, okay. And he was like, you're too type A. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And my husband's in the room. And no, he goes, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He was like, I can tell I've met women like you. And I was like, I'm going to cut your dick off. You met women like me. How are you so alive? Lorena Bobbitt, you. Yeah. All oh, over this so. office. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he was what? like, you, you try too hard. You're doing this, that, and the other thing. And at this point, I am shaking with rage. And my husband sees, like, I swear, it's like, you know, in Nemo, when the sharks smell blood and their pupils get huge, (laughs) and they're like, I'm going to fucking kill you kind of thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was me. And he goes, yeah. if you just quit, if you just gave up, I ensure you'd get pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah. And at this point, I am my only ally, right? My husband's kind of like, yeah, it'd be dope if you chilled the fuck out. And like, we didn't have (laughs) time to intercourse all the time. Um, And, you know, all my doctors are saying everything's normal. And so I was like, well, here's the thing. I don't give up. Like, that's not my personality. And I want to be a mom more than anything. So step aside motherfucker and I yelled at him and we ended up getting escorted out like my husband merged with the wall behind him yeah you got a nurse what does that s oh the nurse escorted you out yeah the nurse came and because he I don't know he was just mindlessly flipping through my charts saying how type a I was and how women like me have a tendency to think they're infertile because they can't get pregnant because they're too anally retentive about it And at that point, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And my husband merged into the wall because he saw my pupils. Like that Homer Simpson gif, like where where he goes into the bushes. (laughs) Yeah, that was my husband. Like, (laughs) fuck, she is going to rip you apart. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so a nurse comes and gets us. And that was probably like my husband and I have been together a little over nine years at now, but at that point, however long that is. And that was the, that day was the biggest fight we've ever had. Cause wow. I was like, you need to have my back. Like I have done the research. I am trying to do my best. You can like, you can't side with the doctor like that in the yeah. sense that, you know, being silent is compliance. And so I felt very bullied and that's kind of when I'll say my depression started to kick in pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then we wait until June. So I give it another few months, like eight months or something. And, uh, we go to CCRM and I am. And for the folks who are listening, tell, talk a little bit about CCRM. Cause I know about CCRM in the Bay area. Like my acupuncturist told me about them. They're like, world-renowned people from all over the world come from to CCRM, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of CCRM campuses. So there are a lot of like satellite offices, but most people know CCRM due to Dr. Schoolcraft, who I believe is a chromosomal expert. So he mastered this, um, I don't know, some splicing of chromosomes or something like that and put him on the map for really successful pregnancies. I've had a few friends that gone to them. Blair almost went. um, Yeah, because she has balanced translocation or her husband does. Yeah. Yeah. So she, but then COVID kind of ruined that. Um, So anyways, I was going to CCRM because I had a lot of friends that went to CCRM too. Like, it's like the place to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. The hot and spot in town. Totally. You have any fertility problems, go to CCRM and you'll always get a spot. But I felt like I was treated like cattle. So mm-hmm. that was one thing. But another thing was, is like, I don't know if you experienced this. Did you do IUIs? Yes. So you're treated like a number with IUIs. But once you get into IVF, it's like the red fucking carpet. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're treated a lot better. So I went in to see him and he thought he was just like a fucking comedian. 
and he just kept cracking jokes and I can, you know, have a good time. But when it comes to like my fertility, I don't really want to be having this weird back and forth laugh thing. I want to yeah. get into the nuts and let's bolts. Let's get into the business. Let's do business first. And then yeah. let's, let's, we can have a joke here and there yeah. afterwards. It was 25 minutes of fucking jokes in the beginning. Oh God. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was like, I am not here. And I said this, I'm not here to make friends. Oh my God. I would die. I was I losing die. my shit. And my husband's like, oh, ha ha, you know? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, let's get to this. And then he'd make a joke about what I'm talking about. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> so he, I say, oh I insist God. there's something's wrong with me at this point, right? I think I have endometriosis. I still don't know if I do, but at that point, that's what I knew of. I didn't even know PCOS was a thing. And then I start looking into PCOS and I ask him about it. And he goes, oh, I can tell just by looking at you, you don't have it. No, 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 not again. Not again. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, God. So here are my symptoms at this point. I have gained 20 pounds just in my midsection. My metabolism totally stopped working in these years of trying to, after I went off birth control. Um, I had hair loss. So I started losing hair on my temples. And I was like, what's up with that? And they're like, it's the way you sleep. And (gasps) yeah, my periods start getting a little out of whack. You know, like I had a 62 day cycle, but I was traveling through Europe. So they were like, oh, it's because you were traveling on business. Like you were stressed, blah, blah, blah. And so I bought into that, but I had 48 resting follicles. 48. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. I had 24 on either side. Wait, and, and they found this out when you did your first IUI or. Oh yeah. They found this out three months before and they were like, oh great. You have so many follicles. Like (gasps) you're definitely going to get pregnant. And so I kind of took it as like, I got an A plus. Right. And I was like, oh my God, look how many follicles I have. This is so great. And then we do our first IUI, Clomid, turned me into a demon. And that fails. We only got two follicles out of the amount of Clomid I was on. So I asked to be put on letrozole. Um, they put me on letrozole. I go on a really low dose. Within like three days of being on letrozole, I have four mature follicles. Wow. Okay. They trigger me with four mature follicles. Saying oh that my I'll have God. a better really? chance. Yep. Really? Saying I'll have a better chance of one of them fertilizing. I've heard I've heard of that happening and and people's cycles being canceled because four is way too many. Yeah. And I was like, so are we gonna have four babies? And they're like, <laughs> no, it's just you know, it's just one will fertilize. And so then I leave and I'm like, oh my God, like we have a better chance of it working this time. You know, my first IUI was two mature follicles, this time it's four. Um my fifth one was still eleven millimeters, so like I don't know. That could have been, I could have been a mom to five at that point. Oh, Um, God, Kaylee, Kaylee. I know, dude. Can you imagine how ragey I would be? Oh, (laughs) Kaylee. It's not right. It's not right. No. No. So that, and like during this whole process, my nurse was terrible and she ended up being fired. Uh, She forgot my Ovidril shots. I had to drive all around Colorado for Ovidril. Like, 
she was just the worst. Um, and so then I start getting into the, I didn't know that IVF success rates are reported to the CDC. Mm. And so I was like, all right, I can get into this data. So I started researching and saw conceptions had the highest success rates, uh, I think in the country, but where I am specifically, they had higher rates than CCRM. And so I go there and, you know, it's still. So you switched the, clinics. Yeah. You went to so this place called Conception. Conceptions. Yeah. Um, and at this point, I think this is, he's my fourth RE. Um, and so, okay, let me think. So we go see him. Doesn't, he's doing the business thing, right? Like the sales pitch. And I'm like, dude, I've been around the fucking block. Like yeah. I know, I know what's up now. And I said, I this is, I think when you get to the point of like having done a few IUIs, you're ready to make the leap to the to IVF. Yeah. You're kind of you kind of have an honorary degree in totally. your own body's reproductive system, you know? Yes. I think too there's a psychological switch that in the beginning you're at the mercy of your doctors and you're like, "Yes, you know my body better than anyone else. Yes, you know everything. I'll do whatever you say." And you're kind of just there I don't know. I think of it as a victim, but that's only because they're always so traumatic. But then, then there's a point in time where you're like, fuck this. Like you, y'all aren't getting this right. And I know my body. I know what's going on. I feel this. I'm tracking the data. You know, I, I mean, at this point, the only thing that I need you for are blood tests and ultrasounds. Um, and so I went in with a list of questions and I said, I swear to God, I have PCOS. Um, and also having our infertility community on Instagram is so helpful because I posted my stuff and people were like, dude, I'm pretty sure you have PCOS. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you need to investigate this. You need to get some tests done. So he instantly is like, yeah, let's do a PCOS panel. You And he did say you don't physically look like you have PCOS, but, oh, again, with the appearances, again. I mean, yeah, so frustrating. Yeah, but he's like, let's let's look into this, and I'm like, thank fucking god. So we do a blood panel, and we do a baseline ultrasound, and he sees that I have 48 resting follicles, and instantly calls, and is like, no shit, you have PCOS. Like that's we need to get your follicle count down now. Wow, wow, yeah. So finally, somebody, yeah. Okay. And and I knew it. Right. But I didn't know it. Like I knew I had PCOS. I knew I had something wrong with me. I knew I had to keep digging. And this is, you know, three years after I started trying to have a baby. Um, and so we do that three years and four REs. Yep. Wow. Kaylee. Oh, so he did. What kind of like, what was the diagnosis process? Like he took your blood. Mm -hmm. What else? Did he do anything else? Just the baseline ultrasound to do a follicle count. Okay. So in the blood, um, he looked at a bunch of different stuff, but one of them is like your FSH and your LH should be a specific ratio to each other. And I don't remember what it is, but mine was the inverse. 
So Mm. the opposite of what it should be. Um, And that's indicative of PCOS. And my follicle count was indicative of PCOS. So he put me on metformin and birth control. And the one time I got pregnant before, which was way back when Lee and I first started dating, um, I was on birth control. And my pharmacist said that the antibiotic I was going to be on wouldn't counteract my birth control. And so Lee came to visit. It did. And I got pregnant. Uh, I didn't know it and miscarried. So it was interesting that his kind of procedure was to pretty much emulate that, put me on birth Mm. control and then take me off. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, that's interesting because the one time that I've done that, I got pregnant. So he was like, I could probably get you pregnant with an IUI, but let's put you on birth control first. And then COVID happened. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of threw me in for a loop. But um, I was on metformin, which wasn't bad. For a lot of people, it's terrible. And what does metformin, do do you know a general idea of what that does? Yeah, it's an insulin like sensitivity kind of pill. So a lot of people with PCOS have are insulin resistant. Um, and so they put, it's like pre-diabetic kind of symptoms. So they put you on metformin. And for some reason or another, it also boosts egg quality. Um, so they like to put you on metformin, usually when you're struggling with infertility, just because that could be an issue. It could help mm. you boost your egg quality and also level out your blood sugar a bit more and stuff like that. So I took, you usually are put on XR extended release. So I was on 1500 milligrams a day, um, and birth control. Mm. And then I was gearing up for the third IUI and I was like, I can't do this. I can't yeah. do another IUI. Um, I remember when I was going through IUIs, a lot of people were like, oh, wait till you get to IVF. It's so much worse, blah, blah, blah. And so far, I mean, my transfer is coming up, but so far I would do my egg retrieval in the past month and a half, two months over another IUI. Oh my God. I know. I, I hear you. I hear you. I did the same thing. I did. I was two IUIs and I was done. I was like, I, yeah. I, why am I doing this? I feel like yeah. I'm just treading water here. Exactly. You know? Like they're telling me that the statistics of this working are not great, you know? Yeah. So why am I wasting my money? Why am I wasting my time with this? You know? Yeah. And like my IUIs were cheap because my insurance. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine, mine was like, why don't you just keep going? And then Colleen on Instagram was like, Kaylee, I'm just going to send you this note because I love you. Emotions are currency as well. And you're investing a lot emotionally into each of these IUIs. And they suck. I mean, I made a fucking uh, baby mobile. Yeah. And I started because they were like, this is going to work. And I started getting a nursery ready. You know, like I was trying to Noah's Ark the shit out of this baby. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after the second failed IUI, I was like, fuck this. This is sucking my soul out of my body. Yeah. So, so you so you made the leap to IVF. Yeah. And that was in May or June? That was in May. Okay. I or I did my egg retrieval in June, but in May I was like I don't want to do a third IUI. Because also I don't want to have to do this all over again for a second baby. 
Oh, God, yeah. Ugh. Right? Yeah. Fuck that. No. I want all my babies on ice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to force this shit to happen. Get them in the freezer now. Yeah, yeah dude. I want to bank on that. Well, um, and another thing that my doctor said that, like, because our situation is male factor infertility, and she was like, any way that you can preserve both of your fertility right now is a good idea. So that was another yeah. reason why we did IVF because we were like, yeah. I'm going to, you know, when we move on to number two, I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm going to be, you know, like 37, 38, you know, but I'll be able to use my eggs from when I was 34. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, I, I think, and that was another thing for me as well. Is like, okay, if this is an egg quality issue, you know, because at this point, all I had was PCOS. I didn't have any other indication of why this wasn't working. And people with PCOS get pregnant naturally, so like, this didn't seem like the end all be all reason. So I wanted more data, right? I wanted to force fertilization with ICSI. I wanted to, or force at least them coming together. And how many did you retrieve? with your egg retrieval? So we had 16 mature, 15 fertilized, four, no, 12 blasts or something like that. Yeah. And then seven PGS normal babies. That's great. That's exactly, yeah. we have seven too. Well, six really? now. Yeah. That's awesome. It felt good, but also, you know, there's, I don't know about you, but there's like a guilt for me of having that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. There's just so many people that like suffer. Infertility is suffering. Yeah. And they go through rounds and rounds and rounds and hopefully end up with one normal embryo. Yeah. And they're hopeful. Yeah. Like me the whole time. I was like, this is going to fucking work. This is it. (laughs) This is not going to (laughs) work. Like I am, you know, happy with these results, but the shoe will drop. At some point. Yeah. And who knows? Like I'm going into my first FUT. Maybe that's when the shoe drops. I am not optimistic. Um, but I, every time I was, it broke me. Yeah. So, so it kind of trained. I was so optimistic in the beginning. Like. I know. And and you get, I, I use this term, I'm hope's bitch. Because like <laughs> hope just ruins you throughout this process. It just, it's like coming down from cocaine. That's the only (laughs) way I can explain it. I mean, that sounds about right. It's just like this really high, high. And then all of a sudden you're in the, you're in the gutter of despair. Like when you take Molly. Yeah, just like, wow, this is a letdown. Why yeah, did I wow. do this? This sucks. Why can't I sleep and I'm shaking? Um, but yeah, no, that's totally accurate. I think that that's spot on. And wow. a lot of people have hope, right? Like you yeah. see them. And I find that inspiring. Like I'm like, yeah. okay, like um, not comparing journeys here, but – if if they can have hope, I think yeah. I can have a little bit of hope too. Yeah, you totally. Know? Or if they can bounce back from a failed FET, I can do that. Yeah, watching them do it, I was like, okay, I I can do this. Yeah. Um. So 
yeah, I don't know what we were talking about before. Well, I have a, another question to follow up with all of this. There okay. are a lot of natural, holistic approaches to dealing with PCOS, and I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, how much have you indulged in? I mean, how much of that stuff did you do you believe in? Um, so that's a great question. When I got diagnosed with PCOS, I was like, hit me with all the drugs you got. Like, let's fucking do this. Um, they, I did try the myo-inositol powder that you put in your coffee for a while. And I started taking that in January when I thought I had PCOS. So obviously it didn't do much by the time I got to March and was having all my blood draws or February is when I had all my blood draws. Um, but I was like, hit me with all the drugs you got. Like, how do we do this? I'm a pretty pro drug. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. I am not opposed to like using medicine at me all. Either. You know, I was in the beginning, which is hilarious of this whole journey. I was like, no, I can get, I was so resistant to IUIs. I was so, re- I said, I literally have it in my highlights on my Instagram. I will never do IVF. I've already done it, but like, I was like, it's going to break me. I won't be able to do this. What if I fail? And to be honest, like this whole fertility journey is the first thing I've truly failed at in life. Mm. And that was really hard for my ego and my pride because I have no control over it. I tried to master it. I read all the things. Um, but back to your question, I no. I went straight to the drugs. I, um, I, cause I've heard a lot of things. I see a lot of stuff on Instagram of like PCOS diet, you know, yeah. dairy free, gluten free, you know, have you seen that stuff? D- do you think it yeah. has any merit? Um, well, so I am usually when I'm working because like stress, my chronic stress of work would make my stomach just react to everything. So I was dairy-free, gluten-free, soy-free for a long time. Um, I think that it does have merit maybe possibly for, because here's the thing, when, when you get diagnosed with PCOS, they're typically like, if you're overweight or obese, you have PCOS. And so they want you to like cut out sugar. They want you to cut out carbs or be carb heavy. And they want you to have more protein and they don't want you to I mean, they want, they want you to do keto though. So I'm like, how do we do keto and be dairy free? I don't get it, but they, they definitely want you to change your diet to an anti-inflammatory diet. Mm. And I think that's mainly because their preconceived notion of if you're overweight, you have PCOS. Like I know people that haven't had any blood work and were diagnosed with PCOS when they walked in the door. Wow. Just because they, they're plus size. Well, do you watch Teen Mom on MTV? No, okay. I used to though. Well, Macy Bookout, one of the original OG, te- like sixteen and pregnant people. Yeah, the blonde one, the um, redheaded one. Okay, yeah. But I, I, she she goes back and forth from blonde and redhead, and yeah. she has PCOS, and hmm. she is very thin. She's yeah. very thin. And, um, she talks about it a lot on the show, like, um, bringing more awareness to PCOS and she's doing a lot of stuff at like, um, the state and local government level to like bring more, more teal, 
I guess is teal the thing for PCOS. I don't know. I don't know. That that might be the color, but <laughs> I, it's my favorite color though. So I'm <laughs> well, here for it. Then it works. Um, but yeah, I I that was the first time I ever heard about PCOS. You know? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you don't have to be a specific shape to have it. And that's the bullshit part. Is on top of this whole infertility journey, then you're getting body shaming. It's like, fuck you. I mean, I had one doctor, that asshole doctor told me I was too fat to have a baby. What? And I was like, wait a second. Like, I struggled with eating disorders. I struggled with body dysmorphia. I was like, please do not. Like, you cannot talk to women like this. Yeah. Like, this this cannot be happening. And I know plenty of people, all shapes and sizes, that get pregnant. Shit. There are people out there doing hard drugs that get pregnant. I so know. So don't come at me for my fucking bacon cheeseburger. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, yeah. That's well, pretty tough. Well, what makes your blood boil about infertility? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking sucks. Let me get my list. Yeah. Tell me, um, tell me a few things. Yeah. So probably one is unsolicited advice. Um, I have a highlight on my Instagram that says no advice, please. And the advice that I have gotten is insane. Oh, insane. Like one was that we weren't having sex right. Oh, God. I was like, well, it's not going in my asshole. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm doing this right. Um. Oh. Yeah. Another one was like, he's not going deep enough to fertilize your eggs. Oh, and I'm like, God. Oh, God. What? Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Um, but probably this unsolicited advice, the MLMs people want to fucking sell you on. This is essential oil will get you pregnant. Oh, God. This plexus will get you pregnant. You know, all these different schemes that people are trying to get you bought into. I mean, I see those on a lot of my posts, you know, like talk to Dr. Um, you know, Oakley about this herbal remedy, you know, totally. like all the time. It, 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 well, we are the most vulnerable people to attack, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I have done some shameful shit to try to get pregnant. I got the, have you heard of the stork thing? No, tell me. At home insemination. Oh God, yeah, the mosey baby. I've tried the mosey baby, dude. I mean, if anything is gonna secure our marriage into just like things we don't talk about, it was doing that. It was doing that. Like, I look like a fucking gremlin as I'm trying to figure out how to get this thing up my hoo ha, and Lee's reading me the directions, and I can't hit the buttons right, and it was just like. And it was daytime. Like, it was light out. Wait, so, this, so the stork is an at-home insemination kit? Yeah, I think it's called an eye stork. This oh, was my a, God. A yeah. Oh, my God. So they have these super thick, small condoms and yeah. a tip on them that's plasticky. And you're supposed to have sex with it. That's not how it went down. But, like... <laughs> Then you take, you know, your sample that you eventually get in this thing and you put it in this like trap compartment stick. So you then stick this stick with that on it up your hoo-ha to your <laughs> surface and press all these buttons. And like, I felt so much like a science project. Lee is telling me I'm doing it wrong, reading the directions out loud. I am crouched over the side of the bed, like just, but I did it. I paid fucking 50 bucks for that thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I was willing to try anything. So when someone comes out with a tea, I mean, not now, you know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, we're full of shit. but in the beginning I was about to buy anything. Wow. So yep, that's another, me too. Me too. <laughs> me too. I mean, any type of gimmick I was, I remember buying like two bottles of primrose oil or something. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know. I didn't even yeah. use it. I still have it in my cupboard. I, I, I Somebody just told me it worked. So I bought it. You know, it, yeah. it's so... Oh, I did the same thing. Yeah. I took primrose oil. I took matcha powder. I did um, shatavari. Ooh, shatavari. Uh, what is yeah. that? It feels kind of sexy just saying it. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's some sort of Indian herb that a friend of mine suggested for regulating my cycles. Um, but yeah, I bought, I bought anything and everything. If you said it was going to get me pregnant, I was going to do it besides plexus in that. I was like, nah, that's not going to get me pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit. So you make titty shirts. How did this line of clothing get started and where can people purchase them? So, around January, February time, uh, I was probably in the deepest depression. I was not seeking help for it, which in retrospect, I really should have started seeing a therapist, a psychiatrist specifically a while ago in this journey. Um, I wouldn't have been so miserable. So anyways, one day I'm like laying in my bed in the middle of the day. It was like one of those days that I was just so sad and I'm pretty high energy. I rarely lay in my bed during the daytime. I'm not a nap person. I'm usually out and about. And I just was laying, staring out the window, nothing playing, no, no podcast, just crying. And then I started to get really pissed off. I was like, God, I'm so fucking sad. I am so sad. I am so broken. I need to do something that'll cheer me up. And I used to love doodling and drawing, but I'm a data analyst. So there's like zero creativity in my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got out my husband's iPad and I just drew a pair of tits (laughs) and I, and I wrote on it. I'm the tits to make me laugh. I love it. I love it. I was like, this is, this is awesome. So then, you know, I looked at it all. I sent it to myself and put it as my background on my phone. And then, you know, when COVID hit and my husband didn't have a job, I was like, we need to scrounge up every penny we can. So a lot of people have bonfire campaigns for IVF and they're like IVF journey or IVF this. And I was like, I got to do something that's genuinely me. So I took the, I'm the tits and put it on a t-shirt and launched the campaign and a, a quite a few people bought it like wow got on the titty train which was awesome and so then I did that I wore the I'm the tits everywhere (laughs) and then I I, people kept sending me titty stuff like all (laughs) the time wow like I get at least three DMs a day of a titty necklace or titty earrings or titty shirt or anything that says nasty woman I'm here for um And I was like, man, I should just start making this myself. I mean, I'm on sabbatical. I'm going through IVF. Um, 
So I'm not a craft person and I bought a Cricut based off of what everyone said for me to buy on Instagram and started making titty onesies, titty blankets. My I'm the tits shirt will be here soon. I already have the stencil. I'm just been making titty, other titty things. And I spent a day, you know, in my hammock, just drawing hilarious things about tits and butts. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to turn this into something like why, why the fuck not? You know, I mean, nothing can feel like the failure of infertility. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I'm just going to do this because if I fail at this, what, what the fuck up? Like, I don't care. That's fine. Um, so I started, so my biggest embryo, my sister saw a picture of when we got our embryo report and she goes, wow, look at that little chunk. Oh my God. And I was like, wait, what'd you just call her? And she's like, chunk. She's a little (laughs) chunk. And I was like, oh my God, she is a chunk. So she's the first embryo we're transferring. We named her chunk and I named the line of clothes lay chunk after her. Cause she's, you know, going to be the first experience I have being a mom, whether she sticks or not, I will be pregnant for for at least a few days. So Um, it's lay chunk. Is it's the line is the clothing line. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. I just put it on Etsy a few days ago. So it's Le Chunk Designs by Kaylee, I think is what it's called. Uh yeah. And Le, so, Le Chunk by Kaylee, that's what it is. <laughs> and you do all of the production at your house, right? Yeah. Yeah. I learned how to sew for it. Jesus, that's oh hard. Oh my God. Yeah, I actually bought a real sewing machine. Oh, well, I bought a sewing machine on Craigslist, and then I got a fortune from a guy. Um, what? Wait, what's really funny. wait? Like he gave you money, or is a fortune? No, I wish. Oh my god, pay for my idea. <laughs> uh, no, he like. Okay, I'm gonna say this, and it's crazy, but so I go to get this uh, sewing machine on Craigslist because I got this tiny little Singer sh- sewing machine. And it bounces around the table so no line can be straight. And it was driving me crazy. And I go there and he more or less is like, um, I've been waiting for you. And I'm what? like, holy fuck, you're going to murder me. <laughs> this you know, is like- how a true crime <laughs> series starts. Yeah, I've watched- double click my panic <laughs> oh button. Oh my gosh. I've watched a lot of Making a Murderer and this is how yes. it begins. Yes, this is like textbook, the shit you say before you murder someone. And I was like, okay, that's great. Like, I'm going to grab the sewing machine. Let's go. And he goes, you're going to be, or I say, yeah, I'm going to be making like baby stuff, like kid stuff with it. And he goes, yeah, because you're going to have a girl, right? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Who are you, man? Who is this wizard man? Just some random dude. And he was like, yeah, you think you're going to be due in May, but you're actually going to have her in June. Mm-hmm. Okay. From my transfer date, which is 9-9, she'd be due May 28th. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is so fucking weird. Like, wow. But I started crying. Yeah. Because I haven't had any reassurance of me being a mom or having a baby. Or anything, you know? Yeah. And I'm an atheist, so 
Yeah. I was just kind of like, I don't pray. I don't have faith in this, you know? Um, but it was such an interesting experience. And he was like, yeah, she's talking to me right now. She's really agitated that you haven't given her a name. And she doesn't, (laughs) she doesn't have a name. Like we have a, my husband refuses to do baby name stuff until, you know, I'm like pretty pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Until at least a heartbeat is heard. And so he's like, nope, I'm not playing this game. And he like told us about how she would be in college and all this shit. And I was sitting there and I'm like, why is this making me so emotional? Like I was crying. Yeah. And Lee, my husband looked at me and he's like, cause no one has ever told us that this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And this feels like that's what he's telling us. I mean, inherently he's saying that we're going to have this baby girl. So it's such a trip, but anyways, uh, so he gave you the sewing machine. (laughs) He did. And it broke. (laughs) Lee broke it. Lee broke it within like the first two hours of having it. And I put that on my Instagram and people were like, you didn't go there for the sewing machine. You went there for the fortune. For the, for the vision, the visionary. Wow. He was like, I'm, uh, he's from the Hopi tribe and he's a spirit guide. Okay. Sign me up. I want to talk to him. (laughs) I I need, I need more spirit guides in my life. (laughs) He's a good guy named Arthur. Um, Arthur. Yeah. Oh, that's Arthur. right. Arthur. Okay. I thought you said Arthur, like E A R T H E R. You're like, this is great. Does he live in like a hut? A yurt? Yeah. Is he- <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Um, anything you wish you knew before you started all of this? Um, yeah, you can get through just about anything. I thought I wasn't going to be able to get through IVF. I thought it would break me. And to be honest, the decision to move forward with IVF was probably the most liberating because I was like, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and do this. And so, yeah, probably that I can get through anything. And also this Instagram community is going to save your ass. Like it's going to really, because you feel so lonely and you feel so far from your partner, you know, cause they're not really understanding what you're going through and having people that can tell you, you know, doing IUIs, you're still spending your emotional currency. And like, there's such a huge privilege that comes with being able to do IVF that I totally get. And a lot of people don't have that. So knowing that we could do it, I would survive. We can get through this. Like, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel two years ago, eight months ago, three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. You're a lot stronger than you think you are when you go through this. It it shocked me a little bit. I was like, whoa, dang. Give me a challenge and I just want to conquer it. You know, you just want to destroy it. You know what I mean? And you're so resilient. You're you're so much more resilient than you give yourself credit for. And just lean in. It's lonely because a lot of your friends don't know what you're going through. People at your job don't know why you're so fucking sad all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They just think that you're a depressing sack of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm going through some severe trauma right now. Um, but you'll get through it. And... 
lean on the people around you that want you to be leaning on them. Yeah. Because a lot of people won't. A lot of your friends will fall to the wayside. Yeah. It's this, it's this unfortunate, like natural selection, I think that happens with friendships, you know, it's like when I started going through treatment, I had people coming up to me, giving me advice that had never gone through treatment. And I was like, Mm. "Mm, goodbye. (laughs) I just like, I couldn't, I was like, are you serious right now? Would you go up to a cancer patient and tell them how to cure their cancer? If you hadn't had cancer, like, I just don't think that it's like, I don't know. It just, you can, you gain a massive amount of clarity through this experience too. Also like the shallow advice you get from people because they don't want to shoulder any of your pain. Totally. I'm like, I had friends that, I mean, basically I had no friends besides my Instagram friends for, I'd say a good year of unsolicited advice. Oh, you're not pregnant yet. Watch. Now you're going to have twins be ready for it. And I'm like, you don't know anything about me. I've been fucking ready. Like I'm, I'm not dicking around. Right. I mean, I am, but I'm not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing and I just need someone to sit there and say, I'm so sorry. Right. This is happening to you. I don't want your advice. I want you to sit there with me if you truly love me and drink a fucking bottle of wine with me. Yeah. And just say, this fucking sucks, dude. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm here if you need me for a scream, for a cry, for a distraction, for an adventure. I mean, you want to go throw axes or some shit? Who the fuck cares? Like, I'm here for anything. But so many people don't know how to deal with your pain. Right. And that's just as heartbreaking as the infertility part. I mean, yeah, it's like they're so uncomfortable with it that they can't, that they just start shooting out these random ideas and thoughts to like expel, expel the pain that is in the room. You know what I mean? And then you feel so isolated in that moment. Yes. Especially when you're with a group of people that you're like, oh my God, am I not being aware of how I'm behaving socially right now? Right. Like I thought that I could share my pain, but is this too much? Or like then you get so into how you're being perceived by people that you just start avoiding them entirely. Right, right. You don't want to see people. You don't want to engage with them. I can't fake being happy. Yeah. Like I can't do this for for you because, because you can't be there for me. I can't fake it for you. Yeah. And so like, I can't do this, man. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But I'm not sorry because you suck. (laughs) (laughs) You find out who your real friends are real fast. Yeah. Well, how can people find you and connect with you, Kaylee? I am on Instagram at the big F word underscore fertility. Uh, And And that's probably all, all of it. Etsy, your Etsy shop. Yeah, it's Le Chunk by Kaylee. Um, and my name's Kaylee Schlitz, so you might be able to look me up by that as well. That's my Etsy shop. And then I'm always on my Instagram, pretty much. It's where I live. Love as it. As sad as that is. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's where I found you. So this, you know, the Instagram community is is pretty strong. And I always, you know, 
I think if people want to find a little bit of comfort and relief in mutual experiences, it's a good place to go. It really is. I mean, that's how I found it was I found one account on my personal account yeah. that started talking about their journey. And I was like, oh, wow, you're going through other people are going through this. Yeah. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. And then I started the infertility account. And I mean, I found some of my best friends there, which is so weird. I've met them in person. I met Blair in person, met Marty yeah. in person. Um, I've met uh, Alyssa in person, which is a girl that lives in my fucking town. Oh, that's so cool. We found through Instagram. That's I'm so like, rad. Yeah. And you instantly become BFFs with a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh man, you share my trauma. You share my pain. You get me. Yeah. And to be seen and to be loved still within that pain is fucking awesome. It's cool. It's a really yeah. special bond. It really is. Really special. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been an absolute hoot and holler. And <laughs> I love talking to you. And we'll have to have you on again for something different. I would love that. All right, girl. Talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week. Bye.